you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were rich, Eisen. The second will be, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmire. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. I am your humble host in the midst of a very busy National Football League week. Who'd have thought? First week of March would be so NFL-dominated in your sports headlines. I understand there are brackets to come. I understand that the, the madness of March is about to hit us. Pitchers and catchers have reported. I get it. I understand that the NBA is uh, moving along in its lockout-shortened season. I get it. I understand. This is a very NFL-centric world in my estimation. But uh, the bounty stuff, that has certainly taken all of uh, the attention of the national news media in the sports world. And then comes Peyton Manning over the top. A couple of days before the deadline, the Colts and Peyton Manning part ways. And it happens in a press conference that I've never seen before where... Uh, the face of the franchise and the owner of the franchise hold a joint press conference, essentially hold hands like Thelma Louise and uh, and push the pedal to the metal and go off into the great beyond. Uh, for Jim Ursay, that's into the Andrew Luck-led world where everything has changed from the 14 years of the success of the Peyton Manning era. No Polians, no Peyton, um, no uh, uh, Pro Bowl wide receiver of which to speak. No pro bowlers on the offensive line. Yeah, they did re-sign Robert Mathis to stick with Freeney. Obviously with Chuck Pagano, the new head coach, being the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, the defensive-minded coach. They still have some players on that side intact. But, I mean, um, it's like uh, the end of Godfather 2. Maybe your say is uh, Michael sitting there staring off into space with everybody gone. Remembering the good old days when Pop came home and... They're all sitting around the dinner table. Uh, one of my best uh, tweets of the day week is somebody mentioned how, uh, you know, a Godfather reference about uh, Michael saying to Fredo, I knew it was you. And I'm like, who's Peyton, who's Ursay in that analogy? And somebody tweeted back, well, <laughs> Peyton's will is Michael and Peyton's neck is Fredo. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was one of my favorite tweets of the week. I mean, it all goes back to movies and TV for me anyway. But uh, Chris Law, my podcast producer, uh, audio-wise. What a crazy week. He joins us right now. Brockman, my my television producer of the podcast. Where is he right now? He's, uh, last phone call was he's at the laundromat. He's at the laundromat. Maybe he's getting his tux uh, dry cleaned. No, before he he gives it back to the men's warehouse. Yeah, he's he's not doing that. From the Oscars? That's right. Yeah, we got to talk about that with him. Hopefully, he'll 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 get out of the laundromat and get here in time for the close of this program. Great show we've got in store too. Ladanian Tomlinson, who has been on this show before, he came on. I think it even predates your involvement with the program, yeah, Chris recall. Law. I don't recall. He was on after the Jets beat the Bills early on in the first quarter of the 2010 season. 
he had a, an LT Renaissance type week where he lit up the Bills for, That's I think, right. a buck and a half and a couple two, of touchdowns, and he phoned in. But he's here in person. He's doing total access this week. So I, I've uh, secured a little bit of time with him. Uh, obviously, want to hit with him, uh, hit with him uh, all the top stories. I mean, he knows what it's like to be the face of a franchise and leave. He uh, knows probably what it's like to be the target of a bounty. Yeah, I'm sure he's been targeted. Um, if if bounties are as prevalent as people are uh, assuming it is, but he's a running back. Or at least if he hasn't been a target of a bounty. He certainly is a target on a field. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I don't mean by his own quarterback. Uh, a defense certainly circles him, or for many years circled him, um, in their defensive meetings about needing to stop from the San Diego Chargers. We'll ask him about that. And we do got to pick his brain about what happened with the Jets a little bit too, right? Well, that's yeah, been well covered about what he said about that locker room. So he's one of the, well today. Um, right, talk about that guy, with him. Uh, Manish Mehta said one of the Jets guys said they wanted Peyton. Right. right. I mean, wh- where's that locker room at? Right. I know. He knows that. I think that's that's uh, Brockman calling in right now. That looks like a that uh, looks like a caller ID from Maine. I don't know too many Maine caller IDs, but let it ring. Hell with him. We're we're on our own. This is the this is our own rinse cycle that we're in right now, as we're going through the lineup. Lock and four. Jason Lock and four, who's been all over this uh, Peyton Manning story um, for weeks. He did say that they at one point that they're probably going to part ways, possibly before the combine, um, which was a very bold report at the time. Um, he he was off technically by a week, but that said, from all parties who have been following this as well, uh, this decision's been made for quite some time. Yeah, it just it it just seemed that Ursay needed to believe it. Um, but you know the cap numbers itself are just it was untenable. You couldn't hold on to that. So. Uh, Lock and Four is going to join us. We're going to get him in between live hits on NFL Network, which is something he'll be doing pretty much every day for the rest of his life, or at least what it will seem for the next couple of weeks with free agency hitting next Tuesday. Poor Robert Breer hasn't left Indianapolis no, since, since the Super Bowl. Well, it's sort of like his, uh, hey, it's better than standing on a street corner outside of mediation where yeah, he was one care. year ago at this time. Right now. Point. Heaven forbid we all go through that again. Um, and, and, and as soon as the bounty stuff came to light I thought who can I call that's old school who can I call who's personifies professionalism who can I call who's also one of the best defensive players that I know who used to play on on that side of the ball to try and give us the idea of of what, what you know what to make of this whole mess heads or tails the mentality of what it must take for a player to play defense in the NFL and how 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 this all fits into the puzzle. So Rod Woodson's going to join us. Hall of Famer, Rod Woodson. One of my favorite people. Love that guy. Good guy. Love him. Love him. He's huge in my area, my hometown. I've spent many, many uh, years hanging with him on the Total Access set. Uh, he was the DB coach for the, the Raiders last year, just one year. And um, he's up on everything in the NFL everything and uh, he'll join us on this program so we got a hall of famer future hall of famer um and uh jason lock and four giving us all the information hey listen sandwiched in the middle in between <laughs> <laughs> J- 
Jason will appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, and Brockman uh, at the laundromat, right? Brockman at the laundromat, calling us from his different name. times, man. I got two kids now, and a wife, and a house. I, I, I last time you went to a laundromat was last time I needed change of a dollar and waited waited for your laundry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been a while. Oh man, it's been a while. Let's put it that way. We all have different uh, responsibilities in life. We also have to talk a little uh, after we wrap all this up. You uh, you have a new personal uh, record in the 40s. I do. If I'm not mistaken. That's true. That's true. Not I have a feeling LT is going to bring it up, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw him, I saw him before. I, I think he enjoys that. I saw Chris Johnson tweet as you right he away. Did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> MJD did, too. All these running backs, they find That's it funny. Cool. Hey, great. listen, they, they're afraid. They hear my footsteps. And your run, rich run, turned out. That was great. Awesome. That was fun. We'll talk about all that. Let's get, however, to one of the great running backs in the history of the game to start it off. Pleased to have on the Rich Eisen podcast now the fifth leading rusher in the history of the National Football League, third leading touchdown maker. If you throw out non-running backs, that would put him two on the list behind Emmett Smith. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer when he decides to hang him up five years after it. Joining me on this program, Ladanian Tomlinson. Good to see you. Thank you, sir. Nice to be on with you. I have a pleasure. You 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 came on. You were on the phone with me last year. Yeah. After you torched the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. For the uh, against the New York Jets uh, for the New York Jets against the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. and now here here you are um, in the off season of 2012. Where where do things stand for you right now, LT? Yeah, uh, I'm a free agent, and I'm thinking I'm going where payments go. Is that right? I'm going. No, I'm, I'm falling paid. No, right. no, I'm just kidding. But you know, as bad, a free, I know as a free agent, you got to think like, hey, you know, wherever Peyton go, I'm right. at least want to consider it. Right. You know, so that's kind of where I am. So you like Reggie Wayne, and many other perhaps people waiting to hear where Peyton Manning might land. I know you're sort of saying that tongue in cheek right now, but wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you want to play? behind Peyton Manning if that's at all possible correct yes I would and you know the thing about it Rich we have we have the same agent and so Tom Condon you know I've been kind of throwing a little yeah little jabs at him hey you know where's Peyton gonna go hey mm-hmm. won't you talk to him about me as well what does he say about that no but he's like hey I'm open to it maybe I'll just send him to the Jets and you go back to the Jets you know, but we kick around <laughs> a lot of fun stuff you know it's all fun and games right, right now because honestly you know, we're free agents, and so we can talk about anybody, mm-hmm. you know, going any place. Can you go back to the Jets? Yeah, I could. Yeah? Yeah. Because, I mean, you've you've been quite outspoken about, or not outspoken, let's not, let's not, that's a, outspoken is a word that I think is tinged with a few things. You've been honest, let's put it that way, yeah. uh, about what went down in that locker room yeah. and how it was, uh, in, in your, your words, one of the worst locker rooms you've ever seen. Yeah. Do you think in just you, one year, though. Mm-hmm. My first year, you know, everything was great. You know, and a couple of incidents, obviously this past season, turned it into that, you mm-hmm. know, because we just, it's, it's snowballed from there. We just couldn't, you know, get it together and get on the winning streak and get to the playoffs. And so as we all know, you know, sometimes winning cures all that stuff. But when you lose it, everything comes to the forefront. You know, and sometimes as as a, you know, I like to consider myself uh, one of the leaders in the locker room, and sometimes things need to be talked about and spoke about so that the next time uh, guys know that we absolutely won't put up with it. Is it fixable? It is fixable. You know, because, one, I think you got the right type of guys in that locker room. Sanchez, obviously, is a great guy. You know, he works hard. He does all the right things. 
I mean, you got Santonio who wants to be great. He mm-hmm. wants to be a great receiver in this league. And if you have that, then you can work with everything else. But it was the same. Those are the same guys who, when things went south, yeah. it got ugly. Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, it, it, Santonio wasn't speaking to Sanchez mm-hmm. from from what has been said. Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. You know, and and you know, I think it can be resolved. You know, but them two guys need to really, you know, sit down and have a heart to heart and really just be on the same page. You know, if I'm the number one receiver and you trust me, I'm going to trust you. There are certain things that has to happen sometimes. If, for example, if you see me out here one-on-one coverage, you know, it's man-to-man, just give me a chance. You know, that's all I'm asking. Give me a chance, throw me the ball, I'm the number one receiver. And that's kind of what Santonio was wanting. And Mark feels like, from his standpoint, well, I have to read the covers first. I can't just say, uh, oh, Santonio's one-on-one. I'm going to him. Mark likes to go through his progressions like he was taught. And so, therefore, that lies, you know, the kind of <laughs> the where they disagree. And where, what is it like for you, though? Here you yeah. are um, with uh, a closing window of opportunity to get yeah. that ring. And you're sitting there and you're seeing the two guys that you need to have on the same page in order to get that ring, just not even talking to each other. Yeah. How where, how do you handle something like that? Well, you you know, I try to talk to both of them, you know, and, and just kind of give them, you know, a couple of words to, to kind of encourage them. You know, hey, you know, go talk to Santonio. Hey, Santonio, hey, go, you know, mm-hmm. go say that to Mark. Go tell him. Go tell him how you, you know, because the communication factor is huge. You got 60 guys in the locker room, and if you don't communicate, I, I don't know what you're thinking sometimes, you know. Right. You just, there's no way to know. And so I just tried to communicate openly with them guys, you know, uh, about each other, and, and you know, hopefully um, that will fix it. But, you know, I think in time, you know, as they continue to grow together, you know, I, I think it can be fixed. Is it just them, or is it uh, is it linemen involved as well? There, there need some relationships to be repaired in that team. Well, I, I think um, you know the incident that happened the last game. I think that was kind of uh, you know the point of, of balling over to that point where offensive linemen just they felt like they just need to say something. I mean, it was it was an intense game a critical point in the game and everybody's kind of on edge at that point. And so if a guy, you know, if he sees another guy's not into the game, then, you know, he calls him out, which what happened, you know, one of the linemen calls Antonio out and uh, saying, Hey, listen, you know, if you don't want to be here, get out the huddle or whatever it may have been. And, uh, you know, Santonio obviously wanted to be in the huddle. So, you know, he responded with a couple of words and then what you guys saw, the next move was somebody coming to get Santonio, and then he was out the game. So that's kind of what happened. All that stuff, I believe, Rich, fixes itself at the beginning of the year because everybody's excited about a brand-new year. Hey, we you know, we got another opportunity. And so trust me, when them guys hit the field, you know, they're all going to be on the same page. Now, will it happen again? I can't tell you. Right. I don't know. Right. You mean come April, come off season workout program, yeah. that that sort of thing when you, when everybody gets back together in that respect, right? Uh-huh. Everybody be on the same page and happy about being back together, you know. But in the heat of the battle, mm-hmm. you know, would it happen again? Now you mentioned how you share an agent, you and Peyton Manning share an agent with Tom Condon. 
So clearly, you know, you and Tom have had discussions about what else went on in this locker room, even mm-hmm. things that you probably are not willing to share publicly. If Peyton Manning calls you up and says, the Jets are interested in, in signing me, do you think I should go there? Do you think it would work if I went there? What would you say to him? When I asked Brett Farr that question, mm-hmm. you know, at when my time, when I left San Diego and I was thinking about going to the Jets, you know, he said to me that New York is is tough living, you know, with the media, you know, the spotlight is always on you. There's so much stuff that that the media gets a hold of that usually on other teams, they wouldn't have no idea that happened, mm-hmm. you know. And so the thing that I would tell him, uh, he can win right away there, obviously. You know, they got the team to win. Great defense, you know, good running game and great offensive line. And so my, you know, my thing to him was, would be, he can, you know, it's going to be tough as far as the media and all that concern. But I think Peyton is, you know, in his 14th year, just finished his 14th year, he's able to handle that stuff now. So I don't think the media would get to him. But the drama within the locker room, though. And that was my next point. Mm-hmm. I think he can handle the locker room because he's a guy that will step up and say, this is not happening. You know, he will be able to to grab guys, get guys on the same page. And you know what? If you're not with me, then you're against me. I think that's the way Peyton would approach it. You know, this is Peyton Manning. His resume speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. If you're not with him, then you're against him. How can you not be with, with his resume uh, speaks for itself? And so, you know, I, I think that's where – he has to make that decision. Now, the locker room, don't get me wrong, Rich. You know, there's some great guys in that locker room. Sure. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad locker room. I'm just saying the things that happened last year, you know, it was overboard. It just kind of, you know, it just snowballed and, and got out of control. With Sanchez, though, but Sanchez just isn't old enough or doesn't have the resume or doesn't have the chops yet to do that in a locker room, call guys together and say you're either with me or against me? He just doesn't have – is that – or is that – I guess the question is, is that in his DNA at all, or he just hasn't grown into that yeah. role yet? I think he's still growing into that role. And I seen a little bit last year where he was willing to, to step up and, and, and call out guys or get guys together. I seen that from him. And so there's the beginning, you know, of something I think, you know, he can grow into, mm-hmm. you know, is he at Peyton Manning's level? I, I, absolutely not. There, there's no way. You know, Peyton just has too much experience. But, um, you know, I think Sanchez can eventually get there. Now, how long are you willing to wait for it? That's the question. That is the question. <laughs> Boy, is that a question. And, and as you know, New York's not very patient, certainly with another Manning in that town winning two and four years. And it just shows you how impatient they can be because of what happened this past year. It was two consecutive years of going to the AFC Championship game. So how do you think Sanchez is going to handle all this patent talk that's going to be surrounding that program in full fury over the next few days? Well, let me say this. I think it's important for his family, you know, the people that really know Mark, is to get around him and 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 not make him grow up, but make him aware of the NFL, the business of the NFL. Because right now, I don't think he truly understands what the business is like. If they brought in Peyton Manning, I'm afraid it would be a shock to his system, you know, where he would be like, 
or they don't want me no more and I'm out of here, you know. And he would be one of them things where he asked for a release or could you blame him? Me. Though? But could you blame well, him? I mean, well, two you, years of going to the AFC right. Championship game and and he feels that he's got an identity with the team, and then yeah, and let's let's now bring Peyton in. Yeah. I mean, do you think he? So you think he would ask for his release? I, I think so. And you because think that maybe he shouldn't. Is that what I'm? No, trying I'm to not mean? saying he shouldn't. Okay. Because I, I think you know at this point. You know, Mark's idea probably is, listen, you know, I've led you guys to two straight AFC championship games my first two years. I'm still a growing quarterback, but I'm a starter in this league. And I don't care if it's Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. I'm not willing to wait two or three years to continue on with my playing career and be a starter. And so, you know, my thinking would be that this is how he would handle it. And would there be another team that's willing to – Make him a starter. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins. <laughs> if he's in the open market, right? Yeah. The Dolphins miss out on RG3 and they miss out on Peyton. I don't know. This is crazy speculation. I know. I could see the, the look you're giving me on your face. I even threw that out there on Twitter and people in Miami. I don't think I'm welcome in South Florida for even suggesting it. Mm-hmm. So um, you think Peyton Manning could go to New York. The issue for him might be just the – the change in, in pace with the media. Let's just forget about New York. Let's just say anywhere. You were a face of the franchise in San Diego. Mm-hmm. In many ways, you, you, you still are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what you what you are associated with San Diego. What what, what do you think Manning is going to have to deal with just going to a different organization, going to a different city, putting on a different uniform for the first time? I think it's that, uh, you know, the fear of failure is one thing. You know, but acceptance. Will they accept me here, you know? What is the locker room going to be like? You know, uh, uh, the new training staff, you know, the, the equipment managers, you know, how are the fans going to take to me? What do they expect from me? You know, and, and that's a hard thing for sometimes player to transition to another team to do is to kind of say, you know what? It's not about what they want from me. It's about what I want for myself. And that's kind of what I had to do. You know, I had all these thoughts in my head, like, my goodness, I'm going to the East Coast to the Jets, you know, what are the fans going to be like? You know, this is a rough crowd. You know, are they going to like me? And so for me, I had to put it behind me and say, you know what? I just got to be me, play football, and don't worry about anything else. So I think Peyton is, is kind of at that point where he's probably a little bit, I wouldn't say afraid, but a little shy to to really transition into another team because that's all he's known. Right. He's known one team. And so it's going to be it's going to be different. Got to hit you up on this bounty stuff. Do you think you've ever had a bounty on you? I wouldn't be surprised, you know, especially with, you know, back in uh, back in the day, you know, obviously with Martin Schottenheimer, the way we ran the football, you know, I was a focal point of the offense. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there were a bounty or two out on me. In terms of putting you on a cart type of bounty? Yeah. I mean, yeah. just putting me out the game. You know, do you do you feel that there was ever a moment when you're on the bottom of a pile that I, I'm, this is a little extra sauce that I'm getting thrown on top of this? Yeah, as compared to you have felt that. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it was, but for me, I just felt like this is a part of the game. You know, I didn't really think about a bounty or anything like that. I felt like, you know, defensive guys going to always try to put a fo- a guy on offense, the focal point of the offense, out the game, whether it be just rattle him up, sprain ankle, you know, whatever it may be. Try to get him out the game. That's going to increase your chances of winning. 
And so there were plenty of times in my own division, Denver, Oakland, Mm -hmm. Romanowski, Mm -hmm. that I felt like this is a little bit too much. Well, maybe that's why Romo's on the airways this week saying, I don't know about these bounties. <laughs> yeah. this is, no, that's not that big of a deal. But that is, again, what, what, what the issue I think many people have, and the confusing issue is this, is that for somebody like yourself, uh, a defender, it's their job to put you down, make sure you don't come into the hole again, mm-hmm. maybe separate you from the football, which was such a rarity. Um, and so maybe then what's the difference of putting a grand or $1,500 on that? Now, the other part of it is is the difference is if they're putting any money at all on anything, what does that mean for the sport professionally? Yeah. Why is it why, – why shouldn't – why should somebody – 500, 750, 50, any amount, any amount of right. money make a player play differently? And if that is the case, then – you could just have nightmares as to where that could head. Yeah. So that's the confusion I think a lot of people are having in that front. Yeah, I think, for one, Rich, we already make good money, you know, as athletes. And, you know, I think that's where the confusion comes with people saying, well, they already make a lot of money. So what's the difference? They get an extra, extra $1,500. Well, you know, I think it's the point of, of saying I did it. You know, I was the one that put him out, you know, and – Oh yeah, the money is is a bonus, you know. But I think it's that that ego, the pride factor, to say I did it. You know, I think that's that's way beyond the money, honestly. Because when I think about it, I have to say that without the coaches, it was happening anyway. But be, you know, between the players, right? You get players to say, and a lot of players have come out this week and talked about, it. hey, you know, you make that first tackle, I'm gonna give you two hundred dollars or whatever it may be, you know, and so. You know, it it was already going on anyway, but for the coaches to get involved, that's what's so, you know, just mind-boggling to me is is for the coaches to waste their time, really, to do something like this, you know, which most of us know that coaches don't make the same type of money as players do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that that was the thing for me that I just really didn't understand. What, what about the concept of um... – that for uh, there is a certain amount of money that would make an, another member of the National Football League hit you in the knee. Yeah, that to me is just yeah. so beyond yeah. the pale, and and it may not be somebody who's thinking I'm going to go out and hit LT on the knee, but the bounty itself whips people into such a frenzy. From what I can hear and I read and I understand, clearly there are. There are no bounties in, in professional broadcasting. <laughs> I, <hope not. laughs> I don't know if you've heard any here in the NFL Network. You know, to point it out to me. But it just seems that it whips people into such a frenzy that they they sort of forget about the long-term ramifications of what of what the quest technically is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, does that yeah. outrage you? Yeah, it does. It, it really does because at the end of the day, you know, we all in the same you know, fraternity. You know, this is a brotherhood, and anywhere you see guys in the league, you're going to acknowledge them. You're going to say hi. You're going to talk to them for a, long, for a while. After the game, you know, a lot of us like to get to the middle field and, and pray together. Mm-hmm. And so just to think, think about this. Okay, you're praying with a guy holding his hand, the same guy that had a bounty on you. You know, how does that translate? How 
how do you turn the switch on and off, if you know what I mean? And I'm speaking, I'm an offensive guy, so I can't see uh, anybody being that way, you know, turning that switch on and off. Right. You know, I just couldn't see it. You know, now, obviously, it happens. You have kids. Now yes. you got kids. Right. How old, how old are your kids now? My son, Dalen, is 20 months, and my daughter, Daya, is uh, five months, about to be six 20 months. 20 months and five months. Yeah. Your hands are full, sir. Very full. Yeah, you and the missus. You yeah. enjoying this? I am enjoying. I know it. this was the the story about how you found out is really one of the yeah. more neat stories that your wife uh, and you had been trying for some time. Yeah, and then she left something in your locker. Yeah, what, what was the story? You know, we had been trying for a little while, but what happened years ago? Um, we we lost a you know our first child after six months. You know, she was <sighs> pregnant. Six Jeez. months pregnant. Wow. Just got back from the Pro Bowl. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's no heartbeat. And uh. so you can just imagine how, you know, that kind of turned our world upside down. We're expecting this baby. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, the baby just didn't make it. And so fast forward um, years later, you know, we have our first son. And uh, what she did was when she got pregnant, I remember that morning we was playing Philadelphia like it was yesterday. And, you know, she was going on about something, you know, how – when I'm getting ready for a game or maybe when you're getting ready to come to NFL Network, <laughs> yeah, you're not really paying attention to what she's <laughs> No, you know? I'm always paying attention. Yeah. Now, you know, is but is this can... thing on? Yes, I'm always paying attention. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, you're kind of doing your own thing. Sure. Yeah, honey, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I had said something, you know, and she said, oh, you're going to regret saying that later. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I go, on, okay, babe, I'll see you after the game. And so I get to my locker and I see this little – this little box and it says from Torsha. Um, and I'm thinking, what is she doing? Giving me a present before the game, you know, that never happened before. So I opened up the box and it was a pregnancy test, mm-hmm. you know, and it said pregnant. And you must imagine I, I was overwhelmed, you know, but you know, I just, you know, the tears started to flow and Darren Sproles, a couple of my teammates, they knew what was going on. They came over and, they knew how it had been for us, you know, trying to get pregnant, and it was a great moment. No question about that, yeah, huh? Yeah. And uh, now you have two. I have two. Now you got two kids. Yeah. And now she wants another one. Uh oh. Yeah. You got And I'm not three. sure. Three. Well, you that that you are you trying to keep pace with Phil Rivers? Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> well, well, I mean, he's he's know, he's far outpacing the field. Yeah, right I mean. You know, we're playing man-to-man defense right yes, now. Yes, you are. You know, and I don't, I don't like zone very much. No, I know. You know so, well, on 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 the zone, the best is that when when it's two on one. Yeah, <laughs> that second one. Yeah, you have to go from zone to man-to-man. And then you got to go to zone, and now so you're playing box and one. It's not good. You don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to do any of that. That's cool. Right. So, where, so your your next step is what? You you. I know you were sort of facetious that you're going to wait till Peyton Manning goes. Are you? Do you still want to play football? Yeah, I do. Okay. I still want to play. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'm done with the game. You know, I don't think it's out of my system. Now, uh, you know, it's so weird because, yeah, you know, you want to play, but it's like you have no idea, you know, where. You know, it's kind of like, will I be able to play again? And so that's kind of where I am. I want to play, but I'm realistic as well. Being 32 years old now as a running back in the NFL, not a lot of guys like that, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, I may not you know, play next year or ever again. You know, I don't know, but I would like to play. Would you play in San Diego if given that opportunity? Yeah, I, I think I could. Absolutely. I, I, You know, I think I would have no problem playing in San Diego. So there's no place that you'd have a problem playing in, in the National Football League? 
that you could say publicly, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Because you give me that face. Okay, there's there's a couple places then I won't hit that. <laughs> Before I do let you go, there's 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 one last question. You mentioned Sproul's teammate with him, uh, Breeze as well. Yeah. The, the question of guys on offense on the Saints not saying something about offensive players being targeted in a bounty. Do you do you have a problem with people who are pointing the finger and saying why didn't they speak up? Why didn't they know? Or is it just a brotherhood? Or it's just something that they. I'd love to get your your point of view, certainly knowing these guys yeah. and, who, and who they are and what they stand for. Well, you know, I just have to think that, you know, maybe Drew and, and some of the guys, they possibly didn't know exactly what was going on, right. to what extent, I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, they're in the offensive meeting. Defensive guys are in a defensive meeting. Totally different meetings. What happens in a defensive meeting and the offensive meeting, we never know. Like, I you know, there were times last year I don't know what the defense is talking about in their meeting or what they're going over. I have no idea. And so, you know, it is realistic that you can be on the same team mm-hmm. and not know exactly what's going on on the other side of the ball. So knowing Drew and Darren the way I do, you know, I just have to know that they they didn't know about it. You know, because Drew is a he's the, a leader in every sense no of the doubt. word. You no know, doubt. and so – if he knew something like that was going on, I'm sure he would have said something about it and stopped it. LT, you're a good man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You, you got it. That's nice Ladanian Tomlinson, one of the greats, one of the goats, uh, joining me here on the show. All right, let's get the skinny on the other major story of the week, Peyton Manning being released by the Indianapolis Colts on Wednesday. I never thought I'd see a press release with the horseshoe at the top and the headline, Peyton, Indianapolis Colts release Peyton Manning. But uh, it did happen. It went down. A man who's been in the midst of all this standing outside of Redskins Park as he phones in right now <laughs> is Jason Locke and Flora. How are you, Locke? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? Any sight of Peyton Manning there in, uh, I, in Virginia? I, I confirm that Peyton Manning is not here. I saw Kyle Shanahan. Ah. If that uh, if that spices up the podcast at all. Was he no, was he was he walking no Was he walking with any extra pep in his step? He was a little peppy. I'll say he looked a little peppy. I'll say medium peppy. Okay. Uh, any sign yeah. of any sign of Rex Grossman? Any sign of John Beck <laughs> anywhere? No, no players, no players. And I, and I, you know, under these new CBA rules, I guess no one's really supposed to be at the facility and looking right. really for what the middle of April. Um, That's right. So yeah, it's unusual. Someone has covered the league for a long time. It's weird to be at a facility a few days before free agency and it to be this kind of dead quiet. This kind of dead quiet. All right, so let's get right into it here. This was uh, inevitable, right? This. Because yeah. uh, well, we, we, we had Ursay, if you remember, on our set prior to Houston at Indianapolis, and he was talking about, hey, if Peyton Manning is healthy, he's going to come back. We're going to get him back. We're going to figure something out. And here it is. The day comes. He looks healthy. He talks as if he is healthy to play some football this season. But when it all came pushed to shove and all that sort of stuff, uh, it was inevitable. Well, I guess what was the word of the day? Probably circumstances, I think, was probably the word of the day from that press conference. And those circumstances haven't really changed. I mean, Peyton was never going to be 100% healthy at the middle, at at the early stages of March. I mean, he's healthier that he can make 100% and that he's fully back. That $28 million option wasn't going to go away. Peyton, there was no reason for him really to negotiate. There was no reason for him to push it back. And the Colts were going to draft Andrew Luck. First overall, no matter what, they felt like they had to. So those circumstances have been set for months, which is why when Ursh is going through the process of hiring general managers, and I'm talking to people who are part of that process, they're telling me there's no way Manning's coming back. There doesn't really exist a scenario 
where Manning comes back, short of Ursay somehow biting the bullet, paying him $28 million, paying Andrew Luck another 20-odd million bucks, and having two quarterbacks counting for, you know, $50 million of $122 million cap, which, which is untenable. So it's just been Ursay coming to grips with the fact that um, it's over. It's been, it's been a long-coming divorce. But I think if you talk to someone who's been through a divorce, I think you're kind of in denial about it for a while until you get to that date where you've got to sign the paper and make everything official. And I think that's why Ursay pushed it back almost as far as he possibly could have. I mean, there's only one more day he could have took it because the reality of it bites and it, and it, and it hurts. And I, I mean, bites as it stays, not, you know, no, I know. in the, the movie. But, you know, it, it, it's a tangible emotional pang. And, and we saw that from both men today. And it's something that you want to put off as long as you can but that you can't put it off forever, and this day was coming, and it came, and now the Colts move on with Andrew Luck, and Peyton Manning is the apple of many general manager and owner's eyes right now. Yeah, and we're going to get to that in one quick minute, because, again, I know you're, you're, you're calling it in between live hits on NFL Network on the day of, of, the, uh, of, of the, uh, the parting of the ways. Uh, Reality Bites is a good, uh, I guess, movie reference to use for the, the feeling of that press conference. Also, it was sort of, to take it another level, it was Kramer versus Kramer, and also the way we were. You know, <laughs> yeah. the the reminiscing love story and uh, of unrequited love that 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 will not be able to last because there's a divorce. It really was an interesting. We'll never see a press conference like that again, right? I mean, unless Brady and Robert Kraft part ways in a way that uh, that circumstances forced and a fan base will accept as inevitable. I, yeah. I don't think we will ever see face of franchise, owner of franchise, hold a, a positive joint kumbaya-type press conference to, to split apart. No, I mean, so many things, I don't want to say fell into place, but just, just occurred. They happened. It's reality. The first overall pick, the structure of this contract being what it is, and the nature of Manning's injury being what it is, and that I don't know that you can necessarily get two or three doctors to all say the same thing about a projected recovery time, about an exact regeneration of the nerve, about long-term ramifications. I mean, this is... This is a different sort of injury, and you put all that in the cauldron, and it boils over, and it comes to this point. But, yeah, it would take a unique set of circumstances to put a Brady and a, a Kraft in this same sort of situation. Or, you know, the, the Green Bay Packers and, and, and everyone who owns the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers in this situation. Um, there is something like that. I mean, this certainly was a very, very unique uh, set of circumstances, and – that's why it was inevitable because of the confluence of all these events. So let's let's quickly run down the uh, the players moving forward. Uh, Miami Dolphins, right? They're the front runners in many people's minds. I mean, they're going to make a strong push, and and they're going to do what they can. But it, this is Peyton's call, you know. So this is not going to be one of these where the first team to throw the most money at the guy wins. That this is a very different. Uh, process than that. This is a different sort of free agency, and Peyton's going to call the shot. Peyton's going to be able to dictate which teams he visits or which teams he doesn't visit. I mean, Miami, he's got a home there or you know a condo there. Uh, he has some ties to the area. He obviously was just in Florida. They have some pieces in place. Steve Ross is desperate to, to, to finally connect on one of these big home run swings he's taken. He missed on, on Harbaugh. He missed on Fisher. Um, so, so there's a lot of motivation there, but I mean, Washington's in a similar boat in terms of desperation and in terms of a motivated owner and someone with an open checkbook policy in a lot of regards and a lot of cap space to burn. Um, but I don't know that that's going to carry the day for Peyton. I mean, that's will have some interest. I don't know that that works out as a marriage either. I don't see Peyton and his brother and the Big Apple together. Um, 
and, and really, I don't even know how wholeheartedly the Jets would jump into something like this because of the possible ramifications for Sanchez. But Seattle and Arizona are very real players, and, and they're calling Tom Condon saying, hey, we want in too, don't forget about us, and here's why we make sense. Then you've also got Denver and Kansas City who are going to explore this, and maybe not to the degrees of some other teams, but both those teams have an abundance of cap space and don't have a long-term solution at quarterback, or at least one that they're necessarily married to for the long term. (laughs) That's the way to put it with Tebow and Elway, man, because I I tweeted that out on Wednesday, that if Elway ever wanted to stage a bloodless coup on Tebow mania, the only one that the fan base in Denver might be able to accept replacing the mighty Tim is Peyton Manning. And it's also probably the only way to sell more jerseys than Tebow sold would be to start cranking out those number 18 orange and blues. Um, they have some interest. I mean, they're, as I've been reporting for a couple of days now, I've talked to a lot of GMs in the league and people who are in this mix, and they're telling me, hey, Denver's going to be in this thing as well. Now, to what degree will they go all in? How hard will they go? We don't know. But obviously, Elway and Manning speak the same language. I mean, it's not like, it's not like Peyton Manning is not going to take John Elway's phone call. Um, so we'll, we'll see how far they go. But, but again, the cap space that they have it, um, they have some pieces of them. I mean, heck, they made the playoffs with Tim Tebow. Um, they added a couple of weapons there, and, and, and that division, who's to say they don't win 12 or 13 games with Peyton Manning and, and make a legitimate run? Give me the name of a team you haven't mentioned yet. Throw spitball. Go off the wall on me. There's always one. There's always one. There's yeah, always one. I mean, I'm fairly convinced that San Francisco won't wait in and that they want to get this done with Alex Smith. But if Alex Smith, you know, if he waits too long, then I don't know that they necessarily can, can say that he's absolutely our guy. They've got an offer on the table. They think it's a fair offer. They hope it's one he signs quickly. If that Billy Dallies, you know, who knows about San Francisco? A lot of people have mentioned Houston. I don't think ultimately they go there. Um, but it is an intriguing possibility, and they certainly are a team where you look at that roster and you put a Peyton Manning on there, and at least in terms of fantasy football, it looks like a slam dunk. Um, there's a lot of teams that will, that will consider it. You know, I mean, in Jacksonville, I know they made that move for Blaine Gabbert. Now, would Peyton want to go to Jacksonville? Would Peyton want to go to a Tennessee? I don't know. Uh, but really, Rich, I mean, if you just sit down on paper, you could make the case for well over half league that if it's a healthy Peyton Manning, he makes some sense for them. But then there's obviously how much does it disrupt your roster? What happens if we don't get him? How comfortable are some of these teams with Peyton Manning's health and long-term health? Because some doctors may see may see this and say, hey, red flags all over the place. Other doctors may say it's worth their while. Right. Uh, time frame it for me. How do you think this is going to play out? I think it's, it's played out. Um, and I don't know that it goes too far into April, depending on his health. But Peyton will get to dictate that, too. If he wants to do one workout for six or seven inches to teams, he could. If he wants to be wind and dine and go around the three days with various teams, that's his call as well. All right, Jason, you're, you're, we, you're, you're probably running out of phone battery and you've got to get back on the air with NFL Network. We appreciate your thoughts. You got it. Thanks for having me. You bet. That's Jason Lockenfora joining the Rich Eisen podcast here. And um, another thing I, you know, that's out there, uh, Chris Law, that uh, Marshall Falk said on our live coverage that really threw me for a loop, is he said that you could take half the league out and by half the league, he means the entire NFC. Yeah, I found that interesting. That 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 Archie Manning and the Mannings, who have uh, been known to engineer uh, a thing or two, whether it's a PR campaign or it is the uh, removal of one son from San Diego after being drafted by the Chargers and getting him to the Giants, that. A lot of that didn't have to do with 
San Diego is a city or the Chargers is a franchise, which has always been the rumor that they thought the Chargers were such a mess that they didn't want Eli to go there, is that they didn't want Eli and, and Peyton in the same conference. That if the brothers are going to battle it out for a trophy, it's not going to be for the Hallis. It's not going to be for the Lamar Hunt for the NFC or the AFC. It's going to be for the Lombardi. That's pretty egotistical, though, don't you think? Why? I mean, assuming they're both going to get there. And Why wouldn't the you? The conference championship is... Why wouldn't I, you? I don't know. That's, that's, well, are they wrong? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, let me throw this one out because this is something he never mentioned. Well, two things. One, any chance that all of this happened... And people kick the tires on him, and he ends up somehow re-signing with the Colts no at a chance. way lower number. Nah. No, no chance? No, 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 no. No chance? No, 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 no. I Other mean, this thing, is- the, 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 the rip cord's been pulled, the umbilical, the, the umbilical cord's been cut, whatever the analogy you want to use. It's, it's done. The, Vel- the Band-Aid's been ripped off. The Velcro's been opened. Whatever. So no the, chance the, the, the horse is out of the barn. Whatever analogy you care to use. They have gotten the clean, as clean a split as a face of a franchise who means so much to a city and a franchise that has gotten so much from that player, uh, it's as clean a split between two that you'll ever see. We'll never see that again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, the only one that leaps to mind right now is maybe Brady and the Crafts family do some. I mean, but then again, there's an endgame scenario for everybody, you know, and we're going to ask Rod Woodson about that in a moment um, as he's about to join us here. But, you know, it, it is – it, that that's not there's no chance. Okay, I mean, but, it's going to be Lux thing moving forward. But like I said, how fascinating is it that the Mannings? He believes Marshall, who knows the Manning family deep down, is that there's no way Peyton's got to stay in the AFC because it's not like the, hey they're trying to architect, engineer a be the architects of of a Manning versus Manning Super Bowl. Is they don't want the Suns to ever be in a position where one knocks the other out. out. Yeah, for the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl, but that would be like that would be like Jack Harbaugh being like, "You guys can't coach in the same conference because of that." Well, no, I understand that. Obviously, coaching jobs are one thing, but if Peyton gets to choose wherever he wants to go, um, I think the Arizona is a, is is a good possibility. That the, the ties he has with Wisenhunt, I'm telling you, it's an it's an a, NFC team. But the only yeah, other thing know. is, no one's saying retirement. No one is saying that. Well, he, not him. Well, he said actually he said it in his press conference that he goes, "I'm not retiring, flat out not." Because believe me, that was another thing that I guess nobody wanted to ask Jim Irsay was, "Did you make an offer to Peyton to retire?" Do you remember the Packers essentially offered Favre a package like, yep. "If you retire, we'll pay you probably an absurd amount of money. You'll get X amount of dollars through an appearances and merchandise, blah 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 blah." And Favre, I guess, rejected that. It was sort of like, in a way, that was the the rumor. It was like a payoff. Like, yeah. you you retire, here, you take this money, you go away. You never come <laughs> back. We never hear from you again, all right? Like, it, that, that as a, I don't know if Ursay offered that to Manning. But Peyton, that's why, you know, the whole Rob Lowe uh, story, uh, while possible, which is why it created a huge furor, a huge, uh, I guess, race to confirm or or deconstruct how it happened, the fact that Peyton was going to retire, the thing that really didn't pass the smell test with me uh, is because he loves football. I don't even know. I mean, everyone's like, hey, he's gonna, he can be an actor. He can go in the booth when he's done. I don't think he's interested in any of that stuff. Not that I know him all that well, but the times that I've been around him, he loves football. He's into it. He's a savant, a no, football I, savant. I know, but th- four neck surgeries in a year. No, I know. 
I just think I that last year, whenever it was news that he wasn't going to play in preseason, every, everything was like he'll be ready for the first game of the season. Then it got pushed back to week five, and it was he'll, he'll be there week six. He'll be playing week six. And then it was slowly – everything was just softened. Mm-hmm. And I just – I wouldn't be surprised if – who wants to see the only four-time league MVP – of course injury. not. Nobody wants to see that, but it's his. It's his choice. It's his neck. It's his body. It's his life, and he has been cleared by uh, some pretty uh, well uh, respected doctors. I know the doctor helped repair my herniated disc. That's right. You had the, the same same doctor, Doctor Watkins. Doctor uh, Watkins. He's the real deal. Then who am I? To you should see. You should see the autographed this. pictures on his walls <laughs> in his office in Marina Del Rey. You know so. Yeah, I mean, he's been cleared for that, and uh, yeah, I, I, that's not. A, I don't think going to the Colts and no retirement is. That's not an option. No option. But that surprised me. That that threw me for a loop when Marshall said, "Don't expect him to go to an NFC team because they don't want to be in the same conference to compete with each other," which would definitely knock the Redskins out because if you don't want to be in the same conference, how about the same division? What about the same city? You know what? I, Marshall said that's different because they're in different conferences. I'm like, you're battling for the same back page. Are you kidding me? It's the same building. You're in the same building. What are you talking about? I think it would be awesome. I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't even fathom it. The whole Sanchez thing would be a yeah. mess. Like, what do you do? Sanchez would have to go. He would have to go. There's no way he would take less salary to stay and be Peyton Manning's backup. There's just no scenario under which that would happen. The Jets would have to release him. And, and I tweeted this out. Alec Baldwin tweeted this out on Wednesday. Peyton Manning to the Jets, Sanchez to the Dolphins. And I retweeted it saying, you know, that's not out of the realm. It's not out of the realm. Dolphin fans went basically berserk, saying they don't want him. They don't. But if you miss out on Peyton Manning, you don't have the firepower to trade up to, uh, for RG3, right? Less need wants three ones, as you heard on the podcast earlier this week. Yeah. He may not get it. You know, a lot of people are saying, you know, I also want six-pack abs. I also want a million dollars, you know. <laughs> but even still, two, it, it will definitely take two ones. It'll, have to t- it'll take two ones to move up to what get a- that. And and the Dolphins may not have the firepower to get him. If you don't get RG3 and you don't get Peyton Manning, what are you going to do? Are you going to get Matt Flynn? I mean, it's Kevin Cobb 2.0 possibly. Correct. And if Sanchez is sitting out there on the open market, you don't take you don't take uh, you don't take him. Yeah, uh, I'm, I, I'm just saying again. This is all crazy speculation. Be we nuts. are spitballing like nuttiness. It's crazy right now. Another thing that Marshall said too that sort of took me back is that Manning's going to leave 18 in Indianapolis. Won't wear the number. He won't wear it again. He wore what? He mentioned. He mentioned. Marshall mentioned the number sixteen. Is it? What did he wear at Tennessee? I guess was it that, was sixteen. I think. So he said that. So that's what he's. He's not wearing eighteen. He says he's going to leave eighteen in Indianapolis wherever he goes. Does Andrew Luck pull a T. Martin and win a championship nice, next year in nice. Indianapolis? I doubt that heavily. <laughs> I doubt that heavily. So that's what's going on, man. Uh, all right, uh, lots to talk about now with uh, with one of my favorites. Let's get to him. All right, let's talk about this bounty stuff and also Peyton Manning switching teams with the ultimate Indiana icon from the National Football League. Pro Football Hall of Famer and one of my favorite people that I have met on this job, Rod Woodson. How are you, Roderick? I'm better than I deserve, Rich. <laughs> Why do you say that now? What well, you it? know, you know, sometimes you do things in life that you don't know if uh, things are coming back to you. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm a lot better. I got a beautiful wife who still loves me. Which, <laughs> I don't know why. 
and my kids, uh, they don't hate me yet, so I'm doing good. Don't forget your grandchild, right? Your grandpa, oh, yeah. Rod. Yeah, well, as it, to him, I'm Papa. Oh, Papa. Papa Rod? I'm Papa Rod, yeah. Does that so, blow your mind that, that you're a grandfather, Rod? Uh, it does. It does, <laughs> but I have a great time with him. He's a... He's been a blessing to the house, man. We we really enjoy the kid. I he's bet. A, he has a lot of hair, and he's strong, and he's starting to talk, and he's tearing up the house. He's got a lot of hair. I love that. Fantastic. That's great. I, I definitely wanted to dial you up. You're one of the first people I thought of when this whole bounty thing hit because you are a pro's pro. You are old school, and you you probably could help me with the mentality of this better than anyone else um and because uh you played in the 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 initial i guess the bounty era back in the day when the bounty bowl was happening and you played on one of the greatest defenses of all time in the ravens that uh seemingly did it the right way what was your thought when you heard about this whole bounty business with the saints well you know it's disappointing um you know i'm not surprised um that you know if you make a good play sometimes uh you might uh you know, you might uh, have something between, uh, you know, like a a big hit, a big-time play. You know, I'm not surprised to hear something like that, but I'm a little disappointed to hear that to injure a player um, and you get paid extra money for it, that's a little disappointing. Um, I understand all players want to play fast. They want to play hard. Coaches want them to do that. But to put a price tag onto uh, to getting somebody hurt. You know, m- most players, when they go out there and play the game, they're playing fast, they're trying to make hard hits, and if a player gets hurt, then so be it. That's a part of the game. But to hear that a bounty was put on players to intentionally hurt them, to get them out of the game, that's disappointing. I'm not surprised about uh, where, you know, not bounty, so to speak, but, you know, um as players, we would have some. We would have uh, something between us every now and then, in different programs, different places. That if you made a good play, we might give you five dollars. You know, five dollars, really, something like that. Five bucks. Well, you know, inflation it, it <laughs> might go up every so so often, but right. you know, it started like that. And so I'm not surprised about that, but I am surprised and disappointed to hear about the bounties and guys trying to be intentionally hurt. What what disappoints you more? that the of the allegations that that a player like Vilma said he's putting up 10 grand for anybody who could go get Favre in the NFC championship game or a coach uh as alleged of Greg Williams and to to have this sort of society built where a player like Vilma who we all know is one of the the good guys that I've met that that he could get caught up in it to the point where he's offering ten grand of his money to somebody to go knock Brett Favre out of a game. I mean, there's a lot of issues I have with it, uh, Rich. I, mean, I have an issue with the person who told. Mm-hmm. Whoever get, you know, whoever maybe didn't get any money. I have an issue with that. I have an issue when people are in a uh, a group environment. Uh, they're part of the organization. Um, they don't say anything why it's going on, but then five years later, you come out because your conscience is killing you. Well, I have an issue with that. But I also have an issue with the individuals who who make the comment, if you get him out of the game, 
I'll give you 10 more grand or five more grand or a thousand dollars. I don't care what it is. I give you a penny if you get him out of the game because now your mindset probably changes because now you're thinking about injuring a person outside of playing to win the game. And even though the people they probably targeted, you know, they would have a better chance to win the game if they were not playing. But to say that, to go out and hurt an individual, that to me is disappointing, and that's nowhere uh, should be in the game. Uh, and I think that Roger Goodell is going to do probably a, uh, a wonderful job to see it never happens again in the National Football League. But why, why does it even work at all? That five bucks for for uh, um, a sack back in your day, or a thousand dollars for an interception now. I mean, why why does that even necessary? Why does that why does that work, and what does it foster, Rod? Well, it's not about it's not about the dollar amount. It's about winning the. You play poker, okay? Say you play in poker. Yeah. You play poker with your buddies for a pity poker. All mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It's not even about how much money you won, it's about that you won. Right. And it's very, and it's very similar in that respect to the player. It's not about how much money he got. It's the fact that he was the one that did it. And it fosters that attitude that I'm the one that made the hit to put out XYZ. My play did that. And in return, yes, I got paid, but now people are going to say, well, hey, you see that hit that Joe did against, uh, you know, Brett Favre. Well, then, then, you know, people remember those type of things. They don't forget, you know, I, I remember when Joe Theismann got hurt and he broke his leg. You know, you just remember those type of things that happened, even though it wasn't a cheap hit. But you remember those type of plays that could affect the game, that could affect the outcome, especially in playoff games, in but, big games. But don't you but, – but as a professional, why does that – you should do that, right? That's the whole thing about this is that uh, you take a look at the situation and it's and it's many people say, well, what's wrong with the bounty? Because the idea is to get the guy out of the game. It is to separate the football from the running back. It is to hit the quarterback so hard that he doesn't want to throw again or maybe isn't able to throw again. That is the whole concept of football. So what's the big deal if there's a dollar amount on it? And then on the other side is like, well, why do you need it at all? Because isn't the idea of the game to go separate the football from the running back, to go hit the quarterback, and to go knock him out? And isn't your professional pride and the salary that you're earning enough to make you want to try the utmost and the hardest possible? So that that's – Sort of my ultimate confusion about this is you can sort of see it both ways and have it both ways, but you really shouldn't. Does that make sense? It does. Um, I think, though, when you when you look at it in the big picture, in the big scheme of things, and the way we thought, the way I've read about it and heard about this bounty is the bounty was for getting a player out of the game and injuring a player. Carting him off. The game. Getting him ca- a cart off was a certain amount right. of money, yes. And that is, that's different than playing your hardest, separating the player from the ball, winning the football game, tipping the ball away, making an interception. That's different than that. So the mindset changes in the sense that you're on the field to win. Everybody wants to win. But once you say hurting, hurt that player, I don't care what you do, Hurting, get him out of the game. Where there's, that's where 
the league has to step in and say something has to be done about that because that's that's uh, unspoken, unsportsmanlike. We all talk about sportsmanlike uh, attitudes from little league to pop Warner. And at this thing about this, Rich, just think your your kids are young right now, right? They're coming up, and he wants to play football. Yep. And you hear a coach say, "Hurdy." Well, what's the first thing you're going to say? What's your malfunction? What's wrong with you? What are you doing? And right. that's really the same thing that you're saying because once that comes out of your mouth, like you want this guy hurt, not to win, not to separate him from the ball, at all means necessary. And there, there can't be, you know, there can't be a means to an end. You know, you got to have some accountability and sportsmanship within the game. And I think once you put that price tag on hurting somebody to get him out of the game, it doesn't matter how bad he's hurt, as long as he gets carted off. Hmm. Well, I think I think you're crossing the line in the national in any sport at any level that you're crossing the line that you should not cross as an athlete. What if because where where's the failure here then? Um, is it is it on the management level to look the other way or know that it's happening? Is it is it on a player level? It, it should, well, I, I think I think. Um, you know, I, I coached last year, my one year of coaching. Yes, indeed. Right? And the one thing that that was said several times is that either you're coaching it or you're allowing it. And and I it goes to the management side of it. It goes to the coaches, to the front office. They're allowing it or they're going to let it happen. You know, and to me, it has to go back because, yes, the players can do that within the locker room. But if you hear about it, you have to put a stop to that. You know, just like if a player's on the field and he's making bad plays and he's and he's taking bad angles, well, you're going to put a stop to that because it's wrong. And it's the same thing. It's the fundamental philosophy of of having that same principle. If he's doing something wrong, which putting a bounty to hurt somebody is wrong, then you need to put a stop to that as a front office. Unless, of course, you feel philosophically that the bounty creates such an atmosphere of not only competitiveness, but also an attitude that you feel that you need to coach with, that you feel needs to be, uh, that needs to manifest itself in the play of your players, that if your philosophy is, you know, cut the head off the snake and the body will die, that then, then you're fostering something. I mean, Greg Williams wouldn't have done it in Buffalo, Washington, and in New Orleans, and continued it on after he was warned essentially to stop doing it if he didn't feel it worked, right? You know, the the sad thing about that, you know, Rich, is that you need to have a bounty system for the players that you have on your team to get them to play at a level that you want them to play at. And that's a sad thing because the places I've been, we didn't need to have a bounty to hurt somebody to play at a high level and to play fast and to play physical and not complain about it and not apologize for it. We, we didn't need that to do that. Now, if, if you guys made a little side wager and say, who's going to have the first interception, that's on you guys. That stuff happens. That stuff happens in high school. It happens in college. It happens in the pros. That's just the way it's going to be, and it's going to be that way forever in every sport. People always do that stuff, but to put the bounty, and that's what's the sad thing about it. Because Greg Williams is a really good coach. He really is. A, he's a very good defensive coach, and to 
and to think that you need to have a bounty to get your guys in your squad to play at a certain level is disappointing because I would think the guys that you want on your football team are going to play at a level if they weren't getting paid because they love the sport and they're competitors. And the sad thing to, to see and to hear is that they, he needed that to motivate these guys to play at a, a extremely high and, and fast and violent level that he wouldn't have got otherwise. What if you were a player? Bad. What if you were a player? Uh, let's just throw you on the Saints in '09, and Greg Williams comes walking in the door, and inst- and, and starts explaining what sure sounds like a bounty system and suddenly now white envelopes are given out on Saturday nights as Peter King said that was the case and and uh what would you have what would you have said what would Rod Woodson future hall of famer said well, you want me to be, you want me to be honest please uh, i want my 10,000 hmm. cuz you're going you're going to go try to make the play so you, you would, know, I would have been disappointed. I would have been disappointed. I don't think I could have crossed the line, to be honest, Rich. I mean, being seriously, I don't think I could have crossed the line. You want the money, just for the fact of having extra money. But I don't think I could cross the line to hit somebody late to hurt him or to get in a pile and twist his ankle to hurt him or to go after his knee to hurt him. I don't think I could have done that. I don't know if I would have said anything, to be honest, Rich. Uh, I don't know if I would have said anything. I don't think most players in the league today, I can imagine saying anything. They'll sit there. They might not agree with it, but they're going to go along with it. They're not going to say anything. They're not going to – they're going to do whatever – however this got out, however people are talking now, but they're talking now because it's out. Right. But they, they, before that, Rich, it's been years. Nobody's talked about this stuff before. Nobody brought it to anybody's attention when it was happening. So to say that I would have been any different would be lying. Hmm. So that's the sort of peer pressure or group mentality that you, you even though you know it was wrong. And again, Scott Fujito, who is a, a high up in the the NFLPA, told Peter King that he did not take part in anything that intended to injure anybody, but he was part of the whole hey first sack, first pick, first sort of deal like that. But and that and that always happens, Rich. But I mean, there was, de- yeah, I hear, you, I hear you that. But if you had heard, you know, the the card off stuff, right? That sort of stuff that you know, that you saw, you saw how far it was taken to beaten, Rod. I yeah. mean, um, and, 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 you were part of our, you were part of our group in that '09 playoff season, and you were, you were, you were on the air and seeing that that I mean, he got he got the tar beaten out of him. And you heard and he did, and, but everybody who's sitting in that room, even if you if you don't agree with it, you're not going to participate in it. But you're not going to say anything. The old the old style of doing things in the National Football League, really in all major sports, is what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. What happens with the football team stays with the football team normally. And if a coach comes in there and starts talking about this bounty system that he has, a player is not going to stand up and say, I object. That's just not right, Coach. I, you know, we shouldn't be like, well, you're going to get cut. Well, you like your salary too much to get cut. I mean, you, you want to stand up for principles, and if you're going to stand up for a principle in that capacity, you're going to be like Scott Fujita, and you're not going to participate in the program or try to injure anybody come game day. So anybody who sits there and says uh, Fujita should have known better, 
Breeze is an NFLPA leader. That that and they should have they should have stopped this. That's, That's a lie because, like I told you, uh, Rich, if I was in that locker room, in that meeting room, I would have disagreed with hurting somebody because I don't want to hurt anybody. But I wouldn't have said anything, just like nobody else said anything. It's just a part of the league. When your coach is sitting up there and he's telling you information that you don't agree with, you don't say anything. You just don't, even though this is wrong. You're not going to say anything because. What's going on is a part of your football team, and you want to be a good soldier, so to speak. And in being a good soldier, you don't want to go against the trend because you don't want to be seen like you're the guy who's selling everybody out. I mean, that that peer pressure is tough. And nobody's going to go against that trend. And for all the people thinking it's that clear cut, it's wrong. They They never played at a high level in a sport like this where they're getting paid a lot of money. And no player is going to stand up and say that. Not in the meeting room and not to the media. Hmm. So what do you think prior to the suspensions that are going to get handed out? Uh, where do you think the future of this sort of play is going to be? Do you think that even even the, the 20 bucks on the hits inside uh, – you know, on, on downing footballs inside 20 and hits on special teams, you think that's gone? Do you think nobody can even ponder doing a, a bounty scheme anymore? No, I don't think you get rid of it. I don't think, you're, I don't think you can get rid of it. You know, if, if – I don't know about the bounty schemes. You know, I don't think at this level, hopefully that – whatever's going to happen is going to detour that. But, you know, playing good football, you and your buddies – Say the, the DBs or the running backs or the receivers or the offensive linemen, you guys have a system where you don't give up a sack. If you give up a sack, you got to put $20 in a kitty. <clears throat> and if you if you pancake somebody, you get $5. I don't think you can ever get rid of that in the National Football League. I don't think you can get rid of that in sports because I'm pretty sure in baseball, they're probably doing something very similar. In hockey, they're probably doing it, and in basketball, they're probably doing it. You're not going to get rid of the little bitty things like that, mm-hmm. but hopefully whatever's handed out, it will, it will, de- it will really get rid of all the, the so-called bounties to injure somebody. Because this is really the first time I've heard about a bounty to injure somebody to cart them off the field. That didn't happen. I've never heard that. That before. didn't happen back in your old days, first starting in the league, late late 80s? That, that one. No, you, you talk about big hits. Play make big plays, but you never talked about at least where I was at hurting somebody intentionally going out to hurt somebody to cart them off the field. I've, we, we never talked about that. Hmm. What'd you think of Peyton Manning? What do you think of that, Mister Indiana? I'm not surprised. I'm, it's inevitable. Once you start to play, it's kind of like when you when you're born as a kid. The day you're born, the day you start to die. that's a bummer man i know but the day you start playing in the national football league is the day you're getting closer to retirement it's inevitable you know you can't play the team forever and you know this game is played you know this game is played you know on the field but it's a business and their best business decision for them is to not pay peyton manning because they don't know if he can play this year $28 $28 million, and knowing that you need a quarterback for the future and have $50 million or so tied up into two players. 
when you got no more cap room this year, it's going to be the same cap numbers last year. So you take your top 51 players and you got to, you know, you got to say, hey, my top 51, 50 million of the 123, whatever it is, you know, 128, whatever it is this year, is going to, to two players. You just can't do that, and so I was. I'm not surprised. I don't think anybody should be surprised at that. What was it like uh, when you put on a uniform other than the black and gold for the first time? What was that like for you? It, it was different. It was definitely different. It, and it was, the biggest difference is if he if Peyton goes back to play in Indy, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the time I remember. When I went to the Baltimore and I came back to the Steelers and I played first time there, and I was in the visitors' locker room, and when I came onto the field, I went to the home sideline. <laughs> it was like ingrained in me like a dog, you know, a good obedience dog that trained. <laughs> I just went to that sideline and I was like, "Oh, I don't play for the Steelers. I play for the Ravens," you know. And I, I think it's going to be weird to see Peyton in another uniform, but it's inevitable. Listen, a guy that won four Super Bowls for the San Francisco 49ers, arguably one of the best quarterbacks ever to play in the National Football League named Joe Montana. When he got released, when Terry, not Terry, Brad, Terry Bradshaw, but when Franco Harris got released, when players of that statue get released, it happens to everybody. It can happen to anybody in the National Football League. And the way the business is set up today, you know, you don't see it as much. But when you start talking about money, the way Peyton was getting paid, you know, if Peyton was getting a five million dollar bonus, this wouldn't be a conversation, right? And if the and, and if be there. and if the Colts had won maybe even one more game last year, and they're not in a position to take Luck or RG three, this is not an issue either. I think Peyton's still a Colt. The fact that that the, the fact that they could take a, a potential once in a lifetime collegian uh, at the quarterback position and just plug him in. And not have to worry about it, uh, at least in terms of, you know, with the fan base and saying, all right, we're going to rebuild with this kid. Look what he did at Stanford. Everybody says he's a once in a lifetime type guy. Um, that that made this decision a lot easier too. So many things came into play uh, one year ago at this time. We, if 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 we had told each other Peyton Manning would be out in favor of Andrew Luck, we'd say, how in the world did that happen? You know? Yeah. We would have said that last year, but if we would have known Peyton's contract situation mm-hmm. and you know if you know being hurt, that's the that's the key because the one thing that we don't know is that is Peyton going to be ready to play this year? Everybody's you know all his friends, all his close friends, and you know everybody's saying, "Oh, he's going to one hundred percent play." They don't know, you know, and, and Peyton probably he wants to play. You know, one hundred percent of his of his being, he wants to play. But I don't even know if Peyton knows he can if he can play this year. In, heart, in his heart of hearts, deep down. In his heart of hearts, because he doesn't know if his neck can hold up. <sighs> you got to hope it does. But once he gets a first blind shot hit on his backside and it whiplashes his neck, does it hold up? That's the only time you're going to find out. That's why it's so tough. I mean, you, who would want to blow up their current quarterback situation? For that now, I understand if you've got a needed quarterback right now, uh, Miami, for instance, Washington, for instance, right? I mean, Kansas City technically isn't really blowing anything up. I mean, the Jets would with Sanchez, um, but if you think about it, that's a pretty risky scenario to go ahead and 
blow up your situation and plug Peyton Manning in as opposed to just saying, all right, we'll try it for a year and see what happens? If, if, if I was a coach in the National Football League head coaching, I would not do it because there's too many variables that are unknown. And you can't deal with unknown variables when you're talking about for your football team because that's putting your team in a situation very similar to what the Colts were all this time. Everything relied on one player. And then once he got hurt, everything flipped the other way. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to give all this money to a quarterback that you don't know. And if he does play and he gets hit the first time on the blind side and he gets whiplash in the neck and he can't play anymore, all your money's sitting on the bench and you have nothing else left. Huh. And then your whole season goes down the drain. You just can't do that. I mean, it's, it's a business. Uh, a lot of people don't like it because a lot of people get tied to what they see and they want their teams to, to do well. But what they have to remember is that the National Football League has been played for a long time. It was, it was played before Peyton Manning was born. And it's going to be played when Peyton dies. So it's not going to change. If we don't like it, that's just too bad. you got to get over it. Um, but Peyton Manning, you know, if he wants to play, he's going to have to go somewhere else. And hopefully his neck is healthy enough where he can go out and play for another two or three years, however long he wants to. What's with this life and death stuff, Rod? You're bumming me out, man. What's with this, you know, play before long as <laughs> he's born and he's died and the minute you're born, you're one step closer to death. I mean, come on. Come on, Grandpa, Papa, what are you doing? You're bumming me well, in. Well, you know, you, you know, I'm half dead. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> you know? So I guess I'm looking life on the other side of the deal. You are ridiculous. So well, you if know? you're the Dolphins, you 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 think it's a better option to go put your eggs in the Matt Flynn basket, or no, I'm not a Matt. I'm not a fan of taking a quarterback who played in a system who had two good games. And then giving thirty-five million dollars, forty million dollars. I'm not a fan of that. So, what do you do if you're? What do you do? You, do you package your entire future? Les Snead, who was on our podcast earlier this week, the Rams general manager, he sure made it sound like I don't know if it's posturing. Maybe so. He wants three number ones for that RG three pick. And would you mortgage your future to come up from the eighth spot if you're the Dolphins? What would you do if you're Jeff Ireland and you're I, Joe I just Philbin? don't think you do that. I don't think. Well, you asked. You look at what the, the Saints did with Ricky Williams. Does it, does it work out like that? No. Does it, does it really work out the way you always think it's going to work out? Very rarely. It really doesn't. You know, and I, I think, you know, you really have to weigh the decision for your football team, for your franchise, and say, what am I willing to do for my football team for this year, but also the future? Because everything can be based off of one year. And you know, that's why a lot of times when people do base it off one year, coaches get fired in two years. And I just don't, I don't think, you know, for RG3, for Peyton Manning, for this, because this is a quarterback-driven league and everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks and, and how valuable they are. But you've got to still remember, you know, nobody went into the season saying that Eli Manning was an elite quarterback outside of Eli Manning. Right. All right, so whatever we think about Eli – if we don't think he's an elite quarterback, you don't need an elite quarterback all the time to win the Super Bowl trophy and bring it back to your hometown. If you've got a solid football team on both sides of the football and you're well-coached, you can win football games. You don't always need a Hall of Fame quarterback to do, the, to do what everybody wants to do, and that's to win and to win a Super Bowl. Spoken like a man who won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. That's what it sounds like to me right there. 
it, we wanted, and you know the sad part. The sad part about that that we could have won another one. Oh yeah, if they would have brought Trent back. But it's the first time that I think it's the first time. Isn't it the first time that a quarterback wins a Super Bowl and he's not brought back to the the team? I believe it is. I don't. I don't yeah. recall the the last time. Other than Elway, you know, retiring. Grudges, Rich, yes, you I'm do. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. There's a f- there's there's a four letter word in your life, Rod Woodson. A man who never curses. There's a man who's four. There's a four letter word that's really five letters, and that 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 word is Elvis. <laughs> you know what? And I'm not talking Presley. About, you know the bad part about Elvis? Yeah. Is where he went to college. Oh, you knew you'd bring up that Gerback went to Michigan. <laughs> But you really believe Dilfer comes back that year, and you and the Ravens and Billick and Ray, you're back to back. I think I think we had a great opportunity because you got to remember, we we don't bring Trent back, um, and we sign Gervis for a lot of money, mm-hmm. and we sign Leon Thirsty for a lot of money. So we lost all our depth. You know, you bring two players in for a lot of money, and you lose all your depth, and now. You're, you're 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 putting all your eggs in those baskets. If they don't play well, if they get hurt, then you're in trouble. And that's what happened to us. Even though we made the postseason, we were ten and six or something like that, and we we got into the playoffs, but we just weren't the same team. What do you think's going on in Pittsburgh with the offensive coordinator and Ben and and you know he Arians? They say he's retiring and he shows up being the OC for the, the Colts within forty eight hours. And then a real hard ass like Haley shows up, and do you think they're sending a message to Ben in Pittsburgh? You know that's a that's an interesting question. I was I was just in Pittsburgh and I was I was talking to a lot of a lot of the fans, and um, you know I I know Todd has some history with his family because you know his dad Dick Haley mm-hmm. was there in Pittsburgh, and I don't know if that had something to do with it, but. You know, it's a little it's a little interesting to see what happened because you you know Bruce and and Ben had a great relationship, and Todd he hasn't had a great relationship with anybody <laughs> ever. I don't know if he I don't even know if he's married anymore. I don't even know if he, he has is. a great relationship with he has kids. He does. You know, it just seems like it just seems like he doesn't have a great relationship with anybody that I know, and that's what's a little confusing because. The one thing that's always worked in Pittsburgh is that the, the coaches and the players always had great relationships. And that's one of the main reasons they won for so many years. And this is the first time going into it where on the offensive side, you're questioning the relationship between your, your offense, new offensive coordinator, which Ben really didn't want, and your star quarterback. So it's a little. I'm a little confused about why they would do something like that because it seems like that goes against everything that they are in Pittsburgh in that organization. Family, caring for each other, everything's working in one harmony and one unit. And this year it's not. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It sure is. It sure is. This is just this. This league's full of drama, man. Every single minute you turn, something's going on, and. Uh... It's it's awesome, but in the case of the bounty, it's depressing. I honestly felt I said this early in the week. I felt like I was disappointed by a member of the family. You know, I I would just sit there and stare into space, saying, "For real, did this really happen?" You know. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, I think I think anybody that's a fan of football that really loves the sport of a uh, football has to be disappointed to hear 
a guy is going to get paid for intentionally hurting somebody else. That, that's really disappointing. You know, that's disappointing at every level. And we, what I think what everybody has to remember is that the National Football League sets the bar for everything underneath it. So college football, little league football, you know, you know, you, you don't want to think that that's okay. I don't want my kids, I don't want my, my son that's going to high school next year to think going out and intentionally hurting somebody is okay. Because it's not. And we're just, I think, I know Roger's not going to let it go, but I think it's going to have to be a harsh punishment to let everybody know that this is so far off the playing field and so wrong of what the shield represents that this can never, ever happen again. Oh, hard rain's coming, Rod, because it, it hits on so many uh, levels. The player safety level, uh, which obviously the league is make, making uh, uh, even more and more of, an, uh, of uh, a red-letter um, mandate for them. Um, and it hits on uh, competition. It hits on the level of competition. It hits on gambling. You even used the poker analogy earlier on, if because not all you know, if coaches are, are contributing and maybe outside individuals, people outside of the team are tossing money into the kitty. You know, uh, who knows where this thing could metastasize and, and wind up? A hard rain's coming, and it's coming from three forty-five Park from a corner office, and um, it's happening. There's no doubt about that. Well, I think everybody's waiting to see what exactly is is. It's put out there uh, to see, uh, um, you know, when they say something is, is outside of football and outside of what the NFL believes should happen, um, I think everybody's waiting to see what the punishment is going to be. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, Rod, thanks for catching up. I I, I miss you. When are, we, when are we seeing you? Are you coming back down here at all or no? Do you know what you're oh, doing? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it depends on if, uh, if they want me down there or not. Oh, gosh. Okay. Message. I got it. I'm. I'm. I'm marching into somebody's office as soon as I hang up the phone. I got your back, man. Well, it's good talking to you, brother. You're the best. I miss you. I miss you. Say hi to the family. Um, and uh, I hope to see you soon. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. You got it. That is Hall Art of Fame. You got it. That's Hall of Famer, uh, football player and person, Rod Woodson, joining the Rich Eisen podcast. Rod Woodson, everybody. Rod Woodson, one of my favorite people. Love that guy. Chris Law is back. I was again. pretty surprised at some of the stuff he had to say there. I know that he said that he wouldn't. He wouldn't have blown the whistle. He's not a whistleblower. He's old school, man. And uh, not, that, that, not that it's wrong to whistleblow, but you know what I mean. I think what he what he relayed was if they would have done it in the moment right away, mm-hmm. but don't do it four years removed and then do it like that. Well, as he said, he wouldn't have said, "Hey, what's with this bounty? What are you even talking about?" He said he wouldn't have taken part in it, but he wouldn't have said anything about it, I guess. He also said, "I want my $10,000." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Look who the cat dragged in from the laundromat. Chris Brockman. Well, th- there's a reason. My mom gets into town tonight. Okay. First time ever coming to Los Angeles. At Brockman Mary. At Brockman Mary is rolling in. I don't know of anybody else's whose mom is on Twitter. I wouldn't Do you wanna, know of anyone else? I don't know if I'd want to plug my mom's Twitter either. That's awesome. That I know, it's good. No, 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 it's your mom's fine. coming in. I think yeah, it's great. So my mom, mom's coming in from Maine? Mom's coming in from Maine. Okay. She's uh, on a flight to Detroit right now with a connection on her way to Los Angeles. So you're, so you're tidying up the Brockman so, Mance? Uh, yeah, Brockman Manor is getting tidied up. 
and uh, just trying to make sure all it's all spick how and span. Much, how much? Let's, let's go here. Let's go here because Chris Law is married. married. You've been married almost two years now. It'll be two years in June. Okay. Wow. Uh, it'll be it'll be nine years for me in June. Wow. Okay. Uh, so I want to I want to quiz you. Great. How how tall? How how high do the piles of laundry get? In the Brockman Mance. Pretty high. I'd probably go three weeks. No! Without. I can, three weeks I, without doing laundry? I can, I can go through. I have enough clothes. I, I don't know what that speaks about me, but I can go three weeks without doing So you've got enough um, drawer space for three weeks worth of clothes and enough closet space or any other space right. to pile up. Pile up. The three weeks, three of dirty weeks worth of dirty clothes, right? And that's on top of you know gym clothes. If I wear two outfits in a day, okay. Uh, you know shoes. I got a shoe collection. When, so. was, when was the last time you went and bought new socks as opposed to doing laundry, just out of pure laziness? Yeah. Oh, that's happened. <laughs> that, that probably happened a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> I had a okay. I had, I had a Target gift card, and uh, you know. Now, did you w- was was there? Describe for me the laundromat scene. Oh, my laundromat is awesome. Is it? So you're d- describe the laundry. <laughs> okay, so describe. That's what I'm saying. Describe the laundromat scene. Uh, is there it, is there any is there any pickup possibilities? Uh, for what, ladies, yeah, at the laundromat. Yeah, I've been going to this laundromat for a year and a half now. It's the one on Pico and Fairfax. Okay, and um, and I, do you? Do you so I, I maybe have seen one. You channel in a year and a half. There's one possible, poss- one possible approach that maybe. So that Josh Hartnett movie is just a, a load no, of BS. No, no. And, and the town where Ben Affleck picks up that girl at the laundromat. Oh, please, come on. That, that's that's, I mean, that's know, out of the movies. Well, I know, but still. That's out of the movies. Crapola. Really? Yeah. You, you do use fabric softener, though, right? I'm yes. I'm a big proponent of the fabric softener. Yes. <laughs> right, look, I'm a, military, I'm a military boy. I know how okay. to do laundry. Okay, good for you. Good for you. So, but you'd be thrown out of the military if you didn't do it in three weeks. Just pile the stuff up. You'd, you'd be you'd be marched right out of there. Son. And I do fold my clothes out of the dryer. You'd have to drop down and give them at least twenty, at least peel potatoes or something. So yeah, that's why I was running a little late. Today. Okay, very good. Glad you're here. We were holding it up so we could we could because we have a lot of housekeeping. We do on this show. Um, starting with the Oscars, let's go for it. You you went. What would you with like, Heinz where, Ward? Where would you like me to start? Start with what, give us your best story. How? How? Uh, who is? Let's start with the hot. Who's the hottest? Who's who, the hottest one that you saw? Who there? was the hottest yes. one that I saw? It's a toss-up between Penelope Cruz walked mm-hmm. by really quick. Okay, didn't do any interviews. Uh, Sandra Bullock looked fantastic, and Stacy Keebler, Gotta say, George Clooney knows what he's doing. Okay, yeah. And she was wearing a golden dress, so she basically looked like an, an Oscar. Oscar. She, like, <laughs> she it, looked like it, she was a little trophy. She's a trophy. She was. She was George Clooney. George Clooney did not win the Oscar, but he won the he Oscar won the night. Oscars. The Oscar yeah. night. So, yeah. Okay. So that's that's where you would go. I mean, did you see? You saw. I know uh, not, you took a picture see, of Angelina Jolie. I did take a picture. Here's the deal. I've never really been a Jolie guy. Okay. She's a little. T- she She's looked, too thin? looked a little thin for me. And the tattoos. I'm not really into tattoos. You're not into ink? No, I'm not into ink. In SoCal, no ink. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm, I'm a Northeast kid. I, I don't have any either, but I, you can't find girls out here without it. No, uh, that's true. Heinz was nervous? Heinz was nervous to start. He was pretty On the car ride over, 
uh, you know, we were just kind of chatting him up. Uh, I was asking him about, because he's in the new Batman movie that's coming out. Heinz Ward is in the new Batman movie. Yeah, so I was asking him about that. He said it was like a two-day shoot. He was on the pup list at the time, and they shot it nearby. And so some of the other players would come over and kind of watch, and they were like extras in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And then they would go back to practice, and then he was done. Mm -hmm. And uh, didn't get to meet Christian Bale or anything. It was just a separate... Oh, he didn't. He didn't. Okay. No, he didn't. And so Although he did present that night. Christian Bale Christian presented. Bale did. Yeah. So we were talking about that, and uh, he was pretty nervous. He didn't really know what to do. I had cards with all kinds of questions mm -hmm. that uh, we had come up with, and when we got there, <clears throat> the scene just kind of just kind of took over. I don't know if you've ever been to anything that big. Uh, the what a red carpet. For uh, the, well, I mean, like no. the ESPYS probably is. Oh, the, please. Come on, that's not even close. Let's let's not even. I mean, I guess maybe. I guess. I, I mean, I this, even I'm just imagine. trying to compare something or the yeah. NFL. I mean, Danica NFL Patrick honors? walking down right. a red carpet cannot be compared <laughs> right. to what you no, saw. No, of course Rich, you're not. You're at the Latina Grammys, correct? Yes, I am invited every year. I believe, I believe yes. that's the last time I saw yes, you. They, the they, yes, they did. They did. They they mistake me for uh, a Latina uh, um, dancer every single year. Nice. It's very odd. <laughs> Maybe that's where my ESPY award uh, In invitation is gone <laughs> since 2003. So we get there pretty early. We were told to be uh, in our post by 2 o'clock. Mm -hmm. That's when everything was going to start. Now, our post was fantastic. I, they set those, us up, huh? For those of you who saw the piece, I, I half expected us to be way in the back, buried. you know, With but, the slappies. With the, yeah, exactly. Way at the end or the entrance where you know everyone just kind of walks right by, doesn't even see you. Right. But no, no, no. We were at the mouth of the opening to the Kodak Theater. Wow. Right next to the Chinese movie channel and Univision. Mm -hmm. And two spots down was the insider with, uh, with, with, with Kevin, Kevin Frazier and Brooke Anderson. Yeah. So you were directly next to China's entertainment tonight, essentially? Right, or? essentially. And... and from what I could tell, mm -hmm. they were broadcasting live. Back I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the time frame would I, be. I don't, I don't either. But it seemed like they were going live because they were just grabbing people, and if they didn't get people, they were coming back and kind of trying to think with Fowler when we had him on. We we taped him in the middle of the afternoon here, yeah. and in 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 Australia, it was the next morning. He was the full next day. It was day, eleven I or think, twelve uh, hours. I think it was nine a.m. Yeah. Next day, his so time. You, it could have been like morning. It could have been. It could have been like the 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 Chinese the Today show. show. Right. Right. And so, okay. before we got started, we got out there probably one twenty to just kind of make sure we were all set, our camera guy, our audio guy, and we were just kind of walking up and down. They were like, feel free to walk up and down the red carpet. So we were walking up Chris and down. Chris Brockman in his Calvin Klein rental. Calvin Klein rental. From Maine. And, I'm, and I meant to point this out. walking I, up and down the red carpet of the freaking Academy Awards. Yeah. It, it was, it's pretty ridiculous to think about. And I meant, Is it padded? Is it padded red carpet? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's like walking on turf? Is that what it's like in a way? Uh, it was much softer. I would sleep on this red carpet. <laughs> with uh, Penelope Cruz. With, with, yeah. And the funny thing is, is that th two days prior when I went to go pick up my credentials, yeah. it was covered in plastic. And the lady was like, yeah, oh, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to take off the plastic Sunday morning. We'll re-clean it so it's nice and shiny, you know, before everything got started. I mean, they really, what? They really pamper the red carpet. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it's like one thirty. We're walking up and down the red carpet. I meant to show. So like, they're, they're like, that's like the George Toma of the red carpet. 
you know, like George Thomas, the sod god who goes over the field before the Super Bowl. Right. Somebody tends to the red carpet in a similar before fashion. Before it gets started. That was my favorite part of this year's Super Bowl is, you know, being indoors and it was on the, that, that field turf. George Toma was there at 9 in the morning with a small, um, a small broom that he, would be, he was tapping down the rubber pellets. Wow. Going nice. basically inch by inch the wow. entire length of the field. Talk about tedious work. Man, oh the man. sod god had no sod to be the god over, so he, he had to was, look busy. <laughs> is that one more thing? He had to look busy. No, <laughs> oh, well, they got they flew me here. I got to look busy. No, I think that's what, okay. China's so, seventeen hours ahead, by the way. Seventeen hours Just ahead. Like Beijing. So, so it was, you know, yeah, it was morning. Three o'clock. Yeah, it was morning. Wow. It was morning. If it was two in the afternoon, that would make it. Uh, that would make it seven in the morning. Yeah. Eight in the morning. Now, I thought ahead. It's a morning show. <clears throat> I did not want to wear the tuxedo shoes. Too shiny? Too shiny. I didn't want my feet, you know, and we were going to be on our feet all day. And so I found myself some patent leather Converse Chuck Taylors. Nicely done. Okay. That I wore. Someone at the Academy did give me some props for that. He was like, man, I got to do that next year. So who blew us off? Who blew us off? Uh, you you kind of saw in the piece, if you guys saw the television program. Which I, I love that part, by the way. The, the blowing uh, off? Yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen dressed up as the dictator. Didn't really talk to anyone except... Well, except Ryan Seacrest. Except Ryan Seacrest. When, who, who, by the way, I've spoken to many people that was for real, that he did not know that he was going to have ashes yeah. built on him. He kind of looked and was like, really, dude? And that they, they chose him because he was on li- he was live. Right. And um, I completely missed this because I, I, I You've was heard about it. Tell no. me you've heard about no, it. Oh, it's I'm, amazing. Dude. I've been in a cave Come on. Oh, gosh. You need to just just go ahead and take a look at, at the dictator and, and, and Ryan, Ryan Seacrest, Seacrest and what he pulled with uh, him. And it was fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It was fantastic. And that was basically that he, only, he could only speak to one person right. and... Right. He wasn't coming so, over so to us. So James Earl Jones, um, James Earl Jones, kind of blew us the off. Man's eighty-five years old. Just I mean, saying, okay, no, nice talk about. Right. Uh, Michelle Williams, Kristen Wiig, uh, Jonah Hill. Now they they heard you definitely, definitely looked looked right at us and then kind of kept moving, kept moving, kind of did a wave, a polite wave. Now, did you do that with Harvey Weinstein and he did come over? No, Harvey Weinstein looked. I didn't really know what Harvey Weinstein looked like, uh-huh. and then he. Just he, came over. He saw Hines. He saw Hines. Nick Nolte, the same thing. Saw Hines. They were just walking by, blowing off everyone. Now, that that was not Nick Nolte. It was a reasonable facsimile of the person who <laughs> used to be Nick Nolte. Who came I mean, if you've seen this piece, Dude, it is amazing what Nick Nolte made, looks like. He makes Gary Busey <laughs> look like Zac Efron. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. Oh, what about, what about man. Like? That was fan. Because he's got the white hair. We could hair not have the enough one. Nick Nolte in our in no, the piece. No, it was awesome. Uh, what about Glenn Close? Did we she, got Glenn Close. How she, did that happen? She was standing with her husband, and I just saw her walk by, and I was like, Glenn, Glenn. And she looked, kind of saw Hines. I think, I think she recognized him. Right. And she came over, and he was like, Glenn Close, Hines Ward. And her, her, husband, <laughs> and her husband came in and gave a go Pats. Go Pats. And then, so maybe, maybe the hubby... You know, got her over there because he wants to meet Hines. He's nudging her over. Yeah, her. Now, yeah, maybe. And right. then James Keach and Jane Seymour yeah. were friends of Hines. They they have they've a, known him. They have a relationship. So okay. so they came over pretty early on and talked. Well, Jane did Dancing with the Stars as well. 
Okay, Hines. there you go. Okay. They, was Sad it this, that I know this, but I went to a few of those. Was to, it the same season? To work with Hines whenever was he was she there. on the same season I as Hines? I don't know. Okay. But he was great saying that the uh, everyone comes to the Oscars to see the cleavage. That's right. Which was ah, nice. Come on, it's and, good. And Jane said, you know, as long as you're looking at mine. That's right. It's fine. Anna Faris. Anna Faris. The lovely was, Anna Faris. Anna Faris was awesome. She uh, ran us down her pregame routine. That was great. Which was a couple of beers, Which was right? a couple of beers. You, you, you didn't that. see this on TV. She's a We had to cut it out, lady. but she had a handful of candy, M&Ms and really? Starbursts, and she dropped it. So she's the she's the Marshawn Lynch of the Oscars, then, in other words. <laughs> Pretty much. <Okay>. Pretty <laughs> much. Without the gold grill and the dreadlocks, and, of course, the ability to run through people. Yes. Okay. Um, Pitt and Angie. There were no chance for Pitt Brangelina. Angie, no we had chance. no shot and, of and Brangelina. I, I'm... I'm no I can say this with certainty. We were 30 seconds from getting Brad Pitt. Yeah? What happened? However, they do this on purpose, I heard from people. They show up. As is this a, the, you're giving us Oscar scuttlebutt? This is, this is Oscar inside information. Okay. They show up late to these events, mm-hmm. so they can look like good people by like, oh, I re- oh we don't have so time. Close. We don't have time. It's sort of like when Reagan came out of the helicopter, right. like, what? I can't hear you. I've got to right. r- run. So it was probably. I got to run. It was, so the show starts right. at, at, thir- at 5.30. They probably showed up at ten past five, and they oh, were. They got to sit down. And they kind of made the rounds. They went up and down. They waved to everyone. Uh, they talked to you know Seacrest or whatever. Oh, and then so they, they went. Then okay. they went back down. And Brad did mm-hmm. a lot of talking. Okay. And Angie only talked to one other person. She went inside. Angie. Yeah. Okay. Security. There, there, yeah. There's. No, that's what happens when you walk the red carpet and you're rental Calvin Klein. Look, sorry. Go I'm ahead. I'm sorry. Here. I don't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. There is a a a, a PA system that uh-huh. announced, "Hey, the show is starting in five minutes. Please take your seat, or you're you going to go. have to wait until after the first break." Got to go. So Brad is doing this, and then there's a second warning and a third warning. Frazier got him. And the security literally pulled him Kay away. Frazier got the last licks. Got on Brad the last Pitt. Brad Pitt interview. See now. Listen, K. Frage also did it. Listen, we K. Frage, K. Frage, K. Frage. Let me tell you something about K. Frage. Great guy, great guy, great guy. But he would eat you alive to get Brad Pitt. <laughs> of course he would. You've got to fight fire with fire, Brockman. And I, and I, you did a great job. You put the piece together. And I, please do not take this in any way, shape, or form. But it's doggy dog on that carpet. It really is. If I, you've got I, Brad Pitt this. there. And 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 you've heard there's five minutes to go to the Oscars, yeah. and K. Frazier is getting in there. I don't care who he is, you gotta you gotta you gotta forearm Shiver. This is am I, this stink, is nasty stink, business. Drop stink bombs next to there. You gotta do whatever. Uh, listen, do what whatever it takes. One thing is, do not put a bounty on him. We do not. Oh, we we do not. We do not, we do not condone that. Is it too soon? Is that the first bounty, Joe? Jeff Ross thinks that's too it's soon. even Jeff Ross. <laughs> You know what I mean? But that's all I'm saying. We were so close. That's all I'm saying. K. Frage, K. Frage, nice guy. Hey, Hines. Guy, hey, hey, what's up? He, he, hey, gave he, a, he gave, gave Hines a pep I'm talk. I'm sure he did, and he, I'm sure he, he was great with you. Right. I, I, he's such a good dude. But if if if, if uh, Angie's coming down, or or Nicholson, box or, out. Forget it. He'll eat your lunch. Box out. So can we get all to right. the real gist of this? Uh, was there an after-party invite? Anything? No, we're not done yet. Hold on oh, a minute. My, my Clooney. Clooney. Last one. Clooney. So, so George Clooney, this guy, everything you've ever heard about George Clooney, from what I could tell, true. It is. Great guy. Very mm-hmm. genuine. He gave everyone who wanted an interview 
as as much time as they want. It makes you think you're the only person in the room, correct? Absolutely. Great eye contact. He was fantastic. He was signing autographs. They were for fans. They had Guy's guy. He's the best. For about 800 people, a lot of military folks. He's the greatest. Big group of Steelers fans, which was amazing to see. What a weird coincidence. Are you serious? They were just there? They were just there wearing Steelers gear. And when Heinz Did they know by, that? I mean, for the... Uh, for I have, the, I have is it no idea that they, they somehow... I don't know how. I mean, it's not like we're... We, we announced you know, it. So, we, I, I mean, know, yeah, we, so I'm sure it made the rounds. Right, right yeah. the local Pittsburgh station. Yeah. But there was about 20 of them, and when Heinz wa- walked by, they just lost it. Of course. They we're lost not, it. And as it turned out to be, Heinz Ward's last official act as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers yes, was representing was. this podcast. It was the last time he was in public doing something that as he could say, of, I'm a pe- member of the Pittsburgh, member of Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers. There's a good chance we might have Hines on next week to go. recap a little bit of Well, I would love to. Well, we could, so. we could, we oh, could hear we could hear him to say, well, Brockman was weak. There were yeah. so many times. Oh, yeah, he said, he said James Earl Jones blew us off, <laughs> but Brockman, you know, turned his back. And Brockman he called him Chewbacca when he was really Darth Vader. One of the funniest things about doing this was – when clearly Heinz didn't know who the person was, and mm-hmm. the person had no idea who Heinz was, so it was really awkward. You mean like the the, Mila, Mila the chick jo- from from the artist? Oh, from the artist, Bernice. When he Dejo. asked her, like, if you've ever been here for us, my first time I'm nominated. And he's like, he's like, well, Yeesh. do you have a spot picked out? And she's like, I'm not thinking. I'm not about talking it. about not that. Talking. I haven't even won yet. So Heinz didn't know who they were, and they didn't, they didn't know, know who Heinz it was. was. It was Mila Jovovich. Right? Mila Jovovich didn't really know who he was. Um, did, I'm trying to think who else. Tony Bennett? Did Tony Bennett know I don't who th- uh, I don't, Hines was? I don't think so. The Hines knew who Tony Bennett Hines was. Hines knew right? who Tony Bennett was, but I don't think Tony Bennett knew Okay. Who did was. you guys feel the tension whenever uh, George said uh, she was a, she's a Ravens cheerleader? She's a Ravens. Oh, and she goes, and Hines like, just, I wasn't going to bring it that It kind of blew past Hines, too, because he was like, so you don't cheer for us when we're playing the Ravens? And she's like, I used to be a but, cheerleader. But Stacey kind of gave Baltimore. George a look like... I didn't want to bring that up, but I don't since know. Well, did, that was yeah. great. That's yeah. awesome. No, no, so George, George was fantastic. He was signing autographs, and then when he finally got to us, like he couldn't have been couldn't have been nicer. Good times. There was no after party, was there? Anything? No after party. Hines was actually in Las Vegas for Jerome Bettis's birthday. Oh, and flew out for this, and then he had How to get fantastic. He, he had to get back. He had to get back. So we had to after we awesome. taped our our stand up clothes. He he bolted for LAX. We had to get back. No kidding. Get him back here to change and great stuff. And get out of there. Good times. Once in a lifetime. Pretty awesome. Good times. Just next year. Next year we're back. Next year, but next year. So uh, here's the funny thing. Next uh, year you gotta you gotta put on year. the eye black. You gotta focus. You yeah, gotta, you gotta get these guys. And like I said, Tom Sherrick, the president of the academy, couldn't have been cooler. Couldn't right? have been cooler. Told me personally, like you guys want to do this again? Just give me a little bit. Just more, more heads up. I just give me more heads we up. We came up with the idea of well past the deadline. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. We're good. And the last thing I wanted to close the show with, mm-hmm. I was going to say, hey, Rich, you know, it's also Combine Week, big part of the Combine, the 40-yard mm-hmm. dash. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm going to run one right now. And I was oh. going to run a 40 on the red carpet. What happened? Security? Security no. kind of ixnated, and plus with Hines really needing to get out of there, there just really wasn't the time. That is the mother of all yeah. 40s. Yeah. Been, the red been, carpet, because I imagine it is at least 40 yards long, right? It is that long? No doubt it's about it. It's, it's probably 60 or 70. You can run your 40 Absolutely. on that red turf. I could I could have done a 40. Dude. And I had the chucks on. I was ready to go. Ready to go. I was ready to go. Would have been nice. Would have would have been nice. So and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and, and you had the, the ties, it, and you had the jacket. The tie, I had the pockets. You, pocket shit. square. Oh, nice. I was ready to go. You could have been, you, if you'd only beaten 6.03. I mean, I would have had times, clock it, Heinz clock nice. it, and... 
bad. So bad. we'll see. Maybe next, maybe next year. I could have just seen that going bad. <laughs> he runs into the tower. <laughs> falls yeah. over. Yeah, suddenly phone calls light towers. <laughs> suddenly, all of a sudden, in the in the, in the middle, middle of, of Billy Crystal's monologue, the lights go out oh, inside God. the theater. That would have been bad. But. So the the while you're doing that, we had our um our event yes. at the uh, at the combine, the Oscar pool. Mariucci showed up with the Oscar trophy in a duffel bag, and he had these gloves. yellow gloves on, wow. you know, these yellow, like, rubber gloves that he must have bought at, like, the local, you know, like Rite Aid gloves. or whatever. It was, it was dishwashing gloves. <laughs> out of his mind. Of course. He was totally into it, and he busted out the trophy, all excited, and he spit the bit, man. He didn't even come close this year. His his uh, his mole, his Hollywood mole, she let him down. He was spending all his time on that trophy. He couldn't do. She research. let him down. Seventeen uh, picks w- uh, won it. It was me and three others tied for Jordy Wimmer, uh, director of NFL Network. Um, Travis, Ma- uh, Michael Berger, Michael Berger, producer, segment producer, NFL Network, and uh, Matt Pomeroy, uh, manager of research, last year's last champion. champion. Um, we all made it. So what was the tiebreaker? And and had I I had. Prior to uh, the event, uh, you know, one of those things where you should always go with your first answer and don't cross it out. I had Meryl Streep crossed it out, went with uh, what Viola Davis for the oh. help. Had I stayed with it, I would have won flat out 18. David Fowler uh, of NFL Network fame. David Fowler. Used to help out on this podcast. Used to help on this podcast, of course. David Fowler had 18 correct, but was too cheap. To put the ten dollars into the kitty, <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> wow. He says that he didn't know that he was going to do it. He arrived late. He didn't have it. You know, that's what he. He and his wife had the picks at home, wow. and blah 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 blah. That's what he said to me. I have been told, uh, verified by other NFL Network employees, colleagues of ours, it was in fact cheapness. He's not reaching for the tab first. <laughs> it was in fact tight fistedness. Oh. Ten bucks. Um, so at any rate, that went down. The um, so it was a tie break, and uh, Scott Hansen of uh, NFL Red Zone fame, um, when he was no longer in the the competition, he came up with a tie break question. Mariucci vetted it, and it was name the last ten hosts of the Oscars. Oh, that's a good one. It's a very good. One. Yeah, and I can only name seven. Jordy got 10 right. He got all 10. All 10. All 10. It was very impressive. Wow. All 10. He's also- I, f- I whiffed on uh, on Chris Rock. I don't know how I forgot him. And um, who else did I forget? I forget what I've now forgotten. Did, That's how much I was far did, away from it. So. Did Ellen host? She did. Ellen? I got that one right. Okay. Alec Baldwin, Steve Martin co-hosted. Yeah, and of course, James Franco, Anne Hathaway, Billy a, Crystal. Um, Hugh Jackman. I forgot Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Yep. Did the big guy. So, Yeah. So I lost the pool. So Jordy close. Wimmer won it. Jordy Wimmer won it. So that it was a far less glamorous scene in the Hyatt Hotel lobby bar of uh, of of Indianapolis than what you were doing. So that's Sunday night, though. That was Sunday night. And then I ran the forty the next night. Monday. Yeah, I did. Six point oh three. Mayock hand time six point oh three. Albert Breer hand time five point eight and change oh. on his iPhone. But you got to go with Mayock. Got to go with Mayock. Five point eight five. He says. Yeah. We got to get that officially timed one of these times. I don't want to do it because that's slower. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. It's slower. Don't be coy about it, Seriously, 
It's slower. Did you run we it? We have Kurt Charlie. Yeah, no. Did you run it? I didn't run it. Some of the other guys did. I was. Uh, I did not run it. Um, Kleiman ran it. Old old guy that helped out. Yep. Claims he ran it in a 5.37. That's possible. I mean, if you're running in sneakers and... and mm-hmm. I don't, know. don't believe it. Love you, Kleiman. Don't believe it. I don't know. It's possible. Good times, boys. What in the world are we going to do next week when we've got to put a podcast together in the middle of free agency? Jay Moore, right? Jay Moore. Okay. Of, uh, Fantastic. Jay Moore. Podcast. He's got his own podcast. Uh, when he fills in for Rome, I think he's one of the best fill-in sports radio hosts out oh, there. I he like cracks me up. Yeah, he does. Me too. Um, so um, he's on, and who the heck knows else? We'll just try Possibly and- Heinz Ward. We might be getting yeah, Heinz Yeah, let's, let's, let's yeah, try yeah. and get him on. Talk to this guy. He's... T- Let's get him good on. chance. He's I on vacation right now with his, with his mom. Ah, very nice. Um, that's it. LT, want to thank LT. Want to thank Rod Woodson. Want to thank Jason Lockenfora. And uh, I want to thank you, Chris Law. Thanks so much to Absolutely. you, Chris Brockman. I'm You're glad welcome, you made Rich. it. I'm glad uh, um, we need to get you. We need to. If Where is this? What laundromat is it? It's the one at uh, Pico in Fairfax. P- Pico in Fairfax. So if you're a young, lovely, single lady, three weeks from now, Chris Brockman will right. be back with a mountain full <laughs> of dirty clothes. Sometimes. <laughs> I take up a whole row of washers. <laughs> I, uh, I get a $20, $20 worth $20 of chairs, worth of quarters. And I have at it Here we for go. two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Signing off on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Stay listening to 